Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of You Should Have Been Here Last Week, where myself and fellow comic Paul Ricketts interview the bookers uh, and the movers and shakers, the people on the other side of the fence, as it were, the answer to every comic's question, who books this? Uh, we have conversations and ask from, from their perspective on this biz that we call show. Who have we got today? We've got uh, a special... Special guest, I think, who's definitely got something different to tell us about. Yes, it is the marvellous Carly Smallman. So she's got um, two sort of um, strings to her bow. Uh, very innovative and very interesting person to talk to, I think. Yeah, so uh, Carly Smallman. Today's guest is Carly Smallman, promoter of, I think, two of the most interesting gigs on the circuit. You seem to have found a little niche there. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's got to be an accidental, to be honest, uh, the niche finding, but I'm glad I found it. Yeah, I'll let you explain the first one and, well, both of them. Okay, so the first one is Bring Your Own Baby Comedy, which are lunchtime comedy clubs for parents and they can bring their babies. So the whole idea is it's a night out during the day. Um, and the second one is uh, one that I run with another comedian called Sarah Isle, uh, called Tarot Nice to Meet You, which is a show where comedians read tarot cards for other comedians and then also the audience. But it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, like, I need to have to put on the end, it is funny. <laughs> so which one's your favourite one? Oh, that's really hard to choose. That's really hard to choose. Um, I like both of them. I like how Tarot Nice to Meet You is a completely improvised show. Um, and that really appeals to me. But then Bring Your Own Baby has got like the warm, snuggly feeling where you, yeah. you chat to the parents. And I think off stage, Bring Your Own Baby is my favourite. And on stage, Tara Nice to Meet You is my favourite. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've done a few uh, Bring Your Own Baby ones. And it's uh, when you first get there, because your natural instinct is to think, oh, God, there's going to be young kids there. Of course, it's they don't understand any of the material. And it, you're doing it for the parents, aren't you? We always really try and encourage the comedians. Like when they come in, they're like loads of people go like, I can't do those gigs. I haven't got any child friendly material. I said, that wouldn't matter because these babies don't have a bloody clue what you're saying. So it's for the grown ups. And loads of the parents are like um, the sort of people, they're kind of comedy fans. So they, they used to go to nighttime gigs before they had their kids. So they just want to see com like proper grown up comedy. So the comedians swear. They talk about anything they want. Um, we have an age limit for the babies, um, which is 15 months, just at that age where they're starting to kind of pick things up. Um, so, oh, oh, God, yeah. You don't want them to be articulately heckling, do you? No, can you <laughs> the, imagine? The babies just put their hands up. Oh, your shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or even worse, just repeating back the words uh, <laughs> at other family events. <laughs> Kids are the most brutal hecklers. Like, I don't know if you guys, I'm guessing you maybe have, have done comedy club for kids. Yeah. yeah uh, I have. Oh, my God. Like, I've had people just put their hands up and just go, you're not funny. And I was like, and I'm like, oh, that's like a worse, that's a worse heckle than any heckle I've ever had. It's just like, okay. <laughs> well, it's, it's hard to take a kid down, isn't it, really, using yeah. the normal tactics. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's all right if someone's like, you're shit, or like, you're fat and you've got something like fun to say back, but you're not funny. It's just such a 
definitive yeah. statement of your lack of talent. <laughs> so how did you get the idea for Bring Your Own Baby? Is it audience-led or did you have the idea? Well, I used to run it with um, Elisa Kiria, um, who did the character Ariadne the Greek Wag, so you might know her. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we used to run them together um, and... We came up with the idea because we went for a drink. She lives nearby to me and she just had her daughter. And as we drank wine, we just started talking about this idea that we were kind of coming up with together. Um, and then we did, we were like, well, let's just put one on. So there was this, um, there's a pub near my house. It's got like a really small function room. We could only fit in about 30 parents. We put the tickets on sale and it sold out within a week. And we were just like, what the fuck like because we didn't know there was a demand mm. for that sort of a thing or not you know we mm. had no idea we were just kind of winging it and making it up so we went along so so we did that one we then we were like oh maybe we should like just approach other venues and see if they're interested so we spoke to the comedian down in brighton and at the time up the creek in greenwich and when we put those on sale the next month they all sold out really fast as well we just thought oh my God, like this is a thing. This is a thing that people want and that people feel that they need. So gradually I've been kind of just in, trying to increase our areas where we can find parents. Um, and the, I mean, the dream would be to be doing it all over the country. So if there's any, yeah. any parent who wants to laugh can go and have a laugh and it's accessible to them. But uh, not there yet, but I'm working on it. <laughs> 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 what do you what do you think has been the most difficult thing about uh, setting it up? I mean, it's been a joy mainly, but are there any difficulties involved in it? Look, I, my main difficult, the biggest problem with running comedy events, I'm sure you've had people say this on your podcast, is comedians. <laughs> <laughs> we are the pits. Like I, I am like as promoters dreams as I started running gigs, always on time. Like unless there's an emergency, I would not cancel. Um, like, oh my god! I think the one spanner in the works at the comedy events is the comedy providers. <laughs> What's the worst excuse you've had for missing a gig from oh, a comedian? God. Do you know what? There's been loads of excuses, loads of excuses. I'm trying to think of worst ones. Some, do you know what I'm noticing recently, which is actually worse than like a lame excuse, is they just don't give an excuse. They just say, I can't make it anymore. And this is something yeah. like before the gig. And you're like, can you give me a reason why you can't make it? Because also, <laughs> as you guys know, I um, started off as a just a comic. So I've been, like, I, I always feel like, you know, I'm one of you. I'm one of you guys. I know I'm not like in terms of that gig, but like you can yeah. tell me if, you know, some things come up, but I often think that the reason when they do that is just that they can't be asked to go. Yeah, it must be very hard. And I was thinking about that as well. I mean, you know, mm. things have changed on the circuit, but getting comics out of bed before about 11 or 12 yeah. o'clock in the morning is really, really difficult, you know. It's really even, hard. I didn't yeah, realise how lazy or everyone else was. I've been yeah. getting up early for years. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to expand it over the country... Uh, how would you? How are you going to do it? You can't be everywhere at the same time. You got to sort of franchise it out, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'm not going to franchise it. Um, I'm thinking the best way to do it is just to pay trusted people to help me run the events hmm. um, and just book it all centrally. Because also, if you franchise it out, 
you might be end, uh, end up in a franchise with someone who doesn't watch a lot of comedy or go to a lot of live comedy. So they might not know how to how to book them. And I've always taken the approach with Bring Your Own Baby that the most important thing is the comedy itself uh, and everything else, the facilities for the babies and the mums, um, whilst it is essential to have at the shows, it comes kind of secondary because the most important thing is that they laugh because that's what we're selling yeah. to them. I just have to ask you as well that I, I hope there is a bald-headed man sharing your place. Otherwise, yeah, oh, yeah, a... yeah, yeah. Sorry, just <laughs> the partner. No, I just thought it would be, a, you know, a little sneak thief that we've actually caught on camera just <laughs> escaping with your goods. Imagine, it's nearly <laughs> Halloween as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've got proof. We got proof there is a ghost. There is an afterlife. Yeah, yeah. I've, got, I've got a really hot ghost who's good in bed in my house. <laughs> oh, isn't that nice? No, we have to take your word for it. Let's be honest. <laughs> Can I just ask? Do you do you um, have to have a baby with you to go to the gigs? Is that sort of like a prerequisite? Do no, come without we, babies. It's not mandatory. People have come without babies, but. Yeah. It, I imagine it would be quite a shit experience for them. We've had like um, NHS workers come after a night shift before. So we have had it before, but it's quite rare. And I feel like if you have a baby with you, you, you don't mind the noise so much. But if you don't, yeah. it'd be difficult. I don't even hear babies anymore. That's a superpower I've developed. I was on a flight <laughs> with my boyfriend. He was going, oh, that screaming baby. My brain had automatically tuned out before yeah. it began. <laughs> I mean, I, I have to say, having played a few, that's one of the, the weirdest things as you first go on stage. You have to be prepared to just mm. let the odd on a punchline. You just have to let it go. You just think, let oh, well, you know, they don't, they're not doing it deliberately, are they? No, well, some of them, I think some you of them might be. your ego at the door when you do these yeah. gigs because yeah, yeah. a lot of the time the parents aren't even looking at you because their baby needs a snappy change or um, yeah. is trying to like grab something it's not meant to. So yeah. you just Secure go at the door and also just trust that they are enjoying it, even if they're not as fully engaged as you would expect at an evening gig. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I know that some, um, Sam Avery, as you probably know, has done a, does a couple in the Northwest. And he told mm. me that one of the first ones he did, a parent was saying to their kid, shh. And he oh, thought really? they were referring to him. Oh, really? He's like, <laughs> he's like, oh, oh, what have I said? You know, you've just, yeah, as you say, your antennae is got to be sort of detuned as it were you know yeah yeah you just gotta i always the advice that i always give to comics doing it and also that i try and take myself because i play them as you can imagine a lot um is just um plow on as if the babies aren't being a distraction like don't get too distracted because the acts that haven't done as well at the shows are the ones to let the whole set become about the babies and they're like oh aren't you cute aren't you cute which is fine like every now and then but if it's your whole set the parents are like yeah we fucking know they're cute make us laugh <laughs> <laughs> do you very carefully choose the venues that you're going to yeah we have to because the way that i look at it you know these people are going through a lot they're they've got you know they've got sleep deprivation um they've often been through like painful you know giving birth is painful or they've had surgery um, so the venues do need to be comfortable. They also need to accommodate um, all of the extra stuff that comes around having a baby and, you know, be spacious enough for that. So, yeah, mm. it's quite tricky to choose the best venues, but we, we do try our best and we also make sure that we never sell the venues out so that people have a lot of extra space um, when they come to the shows. What, for prams and stuff? Yeah, so the, the, the prams, um, 
like we have buggy parks and things for those, but it's more like nappy yeah. bags and, you know, there's a lot of luggage that comes uh, when you're bringing your baby out with you. So we just make sure that everyone that comes to our shows has got loads of space. Um, they can get up and move around. It's like a relaxed performance. Uh, but we just try and deliver good quality comedy in, a, in an environment that is suitable. So, yeah, not every venue would be suitable for, for a show like ours. I didn't realise as I did these shows how quickly a baby can be in one place and then be in another place in the blink of an eye. They're really fast and they're weirdly strong. Hmm. So <laughs> you just got to make sure that you can um, you can accommodate for people to be comfortable and and feel like they're in a safe environment with their babies. I just I was going to ask a question about competition because uh, you know it's an idea of its time and yeah. uh, have other people had the same idea. Uh, yeah, and are you what do you think about that um I always like to think that everyone's just doing their own thing um and if you you know produce good quality events sorry my dog is crying so I'm just stroking him for the listeners my dog had surgery and he's he's feeling very sorry for himself um but I always think that if you produce good quality events people will come to them also there's plenty for everyone like I wouldn't set up one like on like the same street as another event you know if people want to give it a try give it a try but i will say um not many have lasted the duration that you know bring your own baby has lasted um i think a lot of people think it's going to be easy money hmm. you know i often see comedians like i'm going to start my own one and i always think great give it a go because it's not easy money it's less nah. money than for pr- promoting a normal gig by, you know, by around half because you're selling half the tickets um, and you can't charge what you could charge on a Friday or Saturday night. And it's it's more work. So you need to kind of um, balance it with the pros, which are that it's daytime gigs, so you can double in the evening if you're a comic yourself. But also the main one is like it's rewarding. And if you don't find it rewarding, you, you're not going to stick with something like this. Mm-hmm. Must be the only gig where if someone members of the audience take a nap halfway through, it's not frowned on, is it? Oh, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the perks of the job is you get to, like comedians bring their babies, so you get to meet all the babies oh, of the circuit. Yeah. It's really cute. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just move on to the um, to the tarot one? I'm fascinated by this. Um, so, if with the tarot one, do you necessarily have to believe in the tarot thing to do it? It depends what oh. you believe about tarot. Um, yeah. I've been reading tarot for many years. Um, nice. I believe that it is um, basically a, a self-help tool. When you lay out the cards and they tell a story, your brain can apply that to you or not apply that to you. So if the cards say one thing, you can either be like, oh, that's a really good idea. I'll give that a try. Or you you might go, I don't agree with that at all. I'll do something completely different. Either way, you've made a decision about something that you were finding difficult um yeah so no you don't like loads of comedians have come on it and they don't believe in the tarot but it's a fun show and a lot of the yeah. audience do so um <laughs> they, okay. they love it. <laughs> that is interesting an interesting dynamic that isn't it mm, um, also the thing that i found is all, loads of comics will come in and be like i think this is all bollocks i think this is all rubbish and then we'll do the reading for them in the show and they're like Oh my God, that was so accurate. And they really, <laughs> we've, we've converted all these comedians into witches. <laughs> <laughs> What's the audience like? Because I have to ask that question because I think what you're doing, it's actually in the building where I live. 
So uh, yes, it is in the building where you live. Yes, it is. It, it's here. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah, you're sitting literally above it right now. The venue. Oh. Ooh, have you felt the vibrations, Paul? Uh, only when the bus goes past. But apart <laughs> from that, no. <laughs> Obviously, they're local people. They're lovely. Anyway. They're so lovely. They're so lovely. Um, you won't be surprised to know that they are mainly women and gay men. Mm. <laughs> uh, and they're just the most lovely, like, good energy, up for it. And also, we run it on a Tuesday night. We're going to be um, starting doing occasional shows at the Churchill Theatre in Bromley. Yeah. Um, have a slightly bigger venue coming up. So we'll see what that audience is like. Often you'll get like women who bring their husbands and the husbands will sit there being a bit like, <laughs> because number one, it's about tarot. Number two, it's two funny women hosting it. So, oh no. And they're often the type of men that, you know, when you go on stage and you're a woman, they just fold their arms. I'm sure you've yeah. seen them. <laughs> and by the end of the show, often they're like, can I have a reading please? Once <laughs> 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 they hear everyone else's. I mean, why why is it so many women and gay men then are into tarot? I mean, that sounds like a what is it? I don't know. I wonder if it's because um, they see a comedy show hosted by two women and feel more connected. There can't be a a, a link between uh, being gay and tarot. It, it just that would be mad, wouldn't it? No, I don't think there is. <laughs> I mean, I'm only putting yeah. It's, Maybe somebody will, will, will prove me wrong in the oh. in the comments section. I would say oh, probably more open minded. Let's just make it as simple yeah. as that. Yeah. Is that okay. they're, they're yeah, more open minded to there's things beyond what you consider normal reality. Yeah, I think maybe that is it, and I think a lot of people are are quite kind of closed off to the possibility. But also, even if you don't believe in tarot, it is a comedy show for entertainment purposes. Yeah. So of course, of course, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's the thing, and. I think we get a lot of regular audience because once they come once, they know every time it's going to be a different show because it will never be the same cards um, and the same questions. And, the, and you know, we do book different comedians every time because we don't take it very seriously. That's the the oh. other thing. Like, we do read Tower and take it seriously at home. But when we're doing the show, it is, we hope, funny and entertaining. You've stumbled on two formats now, which are a twist on the normal Sort of, and we've also got things like um, uh, that, that's a big thing now. Cinema, uh, you know, comedians comment on films, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, do you think this is a a growing thing? And uh, what do you think, you know, in the future holds for sort of people trying to twist the format into different shapes? And I honestly haven't given it any thought. Like, I didn't even feel like I was doing anything particularly wild when I came up with both of these ideas. I mean, the tarot idea I came up with in lockdown. I did it as a live stream. Basically, I was really drunk and really stoned and I was reading my dad's uh, tarot cards and because I locked down with my dad because we both didn't want to be on our own. So (laughs) it was a weird time. I was really, we were both got really hammered and we were reading these tarot cards and um, we, and I was like doing a funny reading because I was just really drunk and we were having such a laugh and he was just like you should do this on stage it's really funny and I thought I think I'm gonna need like a co-host because one person just reading tarot cards with no one else to bounce it off is is you know not as fun so I asked Sarah to do it with me um and so I just kind of stumbled on it look I think it's quite hard nowadays to make really good money just as a club comic um I think that's part of it because a lot of people with a few exceptions the money ain't going up at gigs yeah 
No. Uh, we, um, we hadn't noticed that at all. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, that's, that's all we ever talk about on this podcast. Oh, really? It's, it gets mentioned every single time. Yeah. I well, it hasn't. I'm sorry it happened so far. I'll no, no, no. But it's, it's, I mean, obviously, it's a thing that annoys and angers most comics that the, the money still, you know. What gets me is promoters mention it on this on this yeah. podcast, and they're the ones that set the rates of money. It's just sort of... Uh, but how can they go, isn't it terrible, boys? The money's not going up. Yeah, funny. Here's yeah. also the thing, though. In my experience, because we, I work on different models, so I will either work yeah. on like a split with the venue or I will work on... Um, a, a lot of the time, the venue will pay a fee. Mm. Every venue that I'm working with is negotiating to put their fees down. Yeah. So in that case, like I can't put the fees down for the comedians because I am a comedian, and I'm like, oh my god, if I'm going to lower the fees, fuck me, I will be the point of gossip on the circuit. And also, it's not fair. It's not fair to expect someone to get paid less for the same yeah. that they did, you know, two months ago. So yeah. I think a, a lot of it does come down to the the venues um and also i don't know about other gigs i mean other gigs i feel are a bit different because for like an adult evening gig you could put the ticket price up by a pound with bring your own baby the minute it hits over a certain amount of money yeah one will come because maternity pay government maternity pay is frankly appalling like it's absolutely appalling people living on not very much money at all um and i know a lot of offices do offer better maternity pay but even then it's not you know great the corporate maternity pay is quite shit really i say maternity mm. sorry parental leave because a lot of dads do take it as well now which is something that i've noticed shows which is amazing but i you know i like it's really difficult to put the fees up women's safety on the comedy circuit because there's been a lot said about that recently after uh, the russell brand's stuff and yeah. it seems to be like people want to see change happening, but mm. uh, how do we do this? How do we bring in change? Yeah, I look, none of this has come as a surprise to me or any female comedian because we've all been saying it about not just Russell, but mm. other members of the circuit for years. And the trouble is, as a woman, there is still sexism on the circuit. You must be polite and friendly when you get to the gigs, like overly so, because they, like, I know the tide is turning now, but really if they can get away with not having a woman, a lot of promoters would, and you still see it in certain lineups, women are very underrepresented. So the way that I'm personally combating it is anyone who I know who is problematic in that way. I'm blanking them now at gigs. I'm just blanking them. Like, I'm not saying hello. And I'm just, and I'm letting people know. Um, that's also the other thing because it's all quite kind of hush hush on the like on our WhatsApp groups. Um, but now I am telling my male comics, and I think a lot of it needs to come from the men. And I know a lot of men on the circuit are very good allies to us, but it's actually kind of not even the majority; it's the minority. And we we just need the support of the whole circuit rather than just the girls saying this, hmm. you know, we need everyone to get on board and, you know, it is a problem. Um, and it's a lot of the reason why women won't car share anymore because a lot of it happens in cars. Um, mm. A lot of it happens at overnight gigs and then you get promoters going, well, I can't book women to come and do my overnight gig miles away in here. We don't want to, cause we might get raped. Like, I know that sounds really like 
dramatic, but it's honestly happening. And we're thinking for 200 quid, no, sorry, we're not putting ourselves at risk. So I think it needs to come from the promoters. And I think we need support from the male comedians on how they can help. And also if the male comedians know of anyone, tell us. Um, And a few comedians have started doing that. Like um, Arthur Smith has warned me of a couple of people. And I really appreciate that because these were people that I trusted. And now I will just not, you know, not in a horrible way, because obviously I haven't experienced it personally. I just won't put myself in a position where I'm, I may be at risk around those people. So, you know, we, we do appreciate it. We do appreciate when male comics have our backs. Hmm. It's, it's hard because we were talking, we've talked about this with, with a lot of the, the, the women that we've had on it. And, and I actually take on board your point that's yeah. got to come from male comedians. But the, the problem is that a lot of it happens out of our sight, as it were. You know, Absolutely. we we don't see it happening because I think it was Maureen Younger last week said a lot of these people are, are very devious and they make sure that they don't do it in front of uh, a lot of people. So um, the, the the thing is to call it out when you actually see it happening. Yeah, and also call out the kind of like those kind of more microaggressions as well. Just to, to I cannot imagine what it would be like to be in a green room like it's hardly ever happened where one male comic has said something completely inappropriate and everyone kind of just goes into themselves because it's so inappropriate Mm. you don't know what to say Uh, but especially as a woman you feel vulnerable because physically you are you know if anything did kick off you're you're more vulnerable than the men in the room and it does feel good when male comics just you know call it out and just say that's out of order you shouldn't Mm. saying shit like that so I think it's just a matter of everyone looking out for each other, all the good eggs, um, and trying to help each other in the moment rather than, you know, I'm so sorry, that was so awkward. I wanted to say something, but I just didn't know what to say, you know, just, you know, taking the risk. And everyone's frightened of being unprofessional because there's so much competition for work. But actually, I don't see, I don't really know any promoters that would take issue with, with someone speaking out for what's right and speaking out against sexism or any of these kind of predatory people, everyone I know would be right behind it, I'm sure. Because you mentioned promoters. Yeah. Uh, and is there the possibility, if there was an organisation that represented comedians in any worthwhile way, that they could be, this is an opportunity for perhaps some sort of form of rules in green rooms and in terms of car shares. In fact, all the issues you just raised to come up with a sort of framework. I know it's been mentioned in the past. Yeah, I just don't think anyone's enforcing it is the problem. That's, you know, like it's been mentioned so many times that there should be a standard of, yeah, obviously there should be, obviously. But there are so many, look, there's so many just cowboys on the circuit. Like there's no, there's no legal way to enforce any rules. All the nice people who care about their jobs and care about the comedians, of course, could potentially get on board with it. But it's just, I have no idea how they'd enforce it. It's something I've wanted for a, a long time. Um, and even if there was a standard by which to, you know, run things, I just don't know if, if you know, other comedians might pro-spanner in the works, you know, and, you know, promoters who are new promoters who don't know the etiquette. It's just, I, I don't know how they do it. It'd be great if it was a safer, better place to work, for sure. You know, in other workplaces, these things are codified and everybody knows the rules. But um, in, with comedians, yeah. it's as you say, it's it's very hard to enforce. 
All we have is name and shame. <laughs> yes, which I don't think is the best thing. I, uh, I, I mean, I'm going to no. point the finger at equity here as someone who's supposed to be representing comics. They should be involved. But they're not here to answer. So I'll just point the finger. Yeah, and, have a point. And tell them to, <laughs> they should pull their finger out and stop stop me from pointing at them. We've reached the end. So I'm gonna yeah, thank no, you, Carly, no. for a great Pleasure. interview. Oh, and, uh, nice to speak to you both. You're lovely. I love you and guys. I look enviously oh, at the guitars you. behind you. And yeah. Yeah. I, was, I was not gonna mention that actually. <laughs> great talking to you. Yeah. Thanks very much. See you later. See you later. Bye. 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 Well, uh, that was the irrepressible and fantastic uh, Carly Smallman talking about the Bring Your Own Baby and the uh, tarot the tarot uh, reading gigs. So what's our comedy lexicon uh, phrase of the day? Uh, I think it's going to be, in fact, I know it's going to be, the gig details, or gig deets, as it's shortened yeah. to, when you get the email from the promoter telling you where this thing's actually happening. If you do yeah. get it. There's two types of uh, promoter. One, super, super efficient, uh, so it comes a week beforehand. And then the other one, where it's all sort of like, uh, hey, man, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, oh, wow, you know, the gig's uh, somewhere in Somerset. Yeah, just follow the ley lines. That kind of thing, where you do, you, you, you're almost on the phone to, where is this gig? Where is it? God, that happened to me quite recently that I did a gig in uh, a northern city and um, I rang the promoter up the day before because I hadn't heard anything. And I just said, well, is this gig on? And then he um, he or she, uh, or they, in fact, uh, wrote me a very sort of brusque email back saying, uh, you know, what what makes you think the gig's not on? <laughs> Why would I do that? <laughs> <was> like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it, you do. And it's happened to me exactly the same thing. You say, is this thing still happening? And there you get the hump. Yeah. Uh, I would have told you if it wasn't happening. <laughs> Capital letters all the way through the email. But I think it's quite comforting to get the gig, gig details. Postcodes are, are kind of essential now, aren't they? You know, to know where you go. Yeah, uh, and also can lead to trouble. I mean, obviously, there's famous examples of people going to Newcastle upon Tyne when the gig was in Newcastle under Lyme. Uh, and so postcodes have stopped that. But then there's another issue that happens with postcodes. This is uh, Pete Graham from uh, downstairs. The King's Head told me this. He had uh, an act, phoned him up with about five minutes to go for him to be on stage. And he goes, uh, well, I followed the email and uh, I can't seem to find the venue. So Pete Graham goes, well, just where are you? Because well, I'm in a, some sort of suburban street. And he goes, well... <laughs> Describe what's around you. Because, oh, oh, there's a um, there's a big Merc estate that I'm stood in front of. And he went, oh, okay. Could you just give me the uh, the actual license plate? And the bloke gave him the license plate and goes, that's my car. <laughs> he's actually You're... outside the venue. No, he's outside his home where his car was parked. Oh. Because what oh, he's done... God is he looked at the bottom, the very bottom of the email, where Pete used to put his home address of the business, and he's gone oh, to his home God. address, not the gig. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm betting he didn't make the gig, did he? No, he didn't no. make the gig. Didn't yeah. make the gig. That once happened to me in a place called Woodbridge, and it's one of those ones where the guy that was the, the um, designated driver used to work in the city, and I can't for the life of him, I would say his name, 
Uh, and he said, oh, we don't need to leave till, uh, till you know, after. Well, basically what he meant was, don't need to leave until after I finished my job. So about 5.36 o'clock, we met him somewhere Ooh. like Bishop's Gate. Yeah, oh, we were terribly oh, late. to get out, because anyway. that's um, on the outskirts of Ipswich. Yeah, A12. Yeah. Uh, and so we, but the thing was, there were two pubs in the same area called the Richard Richard the First pub. Mm. We went to, we went to the first one, and it was that classic. You know, we get, we're already late. We're pouring through the doors, going, "Okay, uh, what's up? What's up?" I'm sorry, we're late. Was it? And then the bloke just looking at us blank again. Yeah, I don't know what you talk. He said, um, "You want the other Richard the First? And I went, you want, <laughs> "What?" And he goes, yeah, it's about four miles down there. It's like, oh, oh. down these rindy country roads. And then we got there, and this actually happened. And the promoter, it it, it smelt warm, like there'd been people there. Oh. And the guy just goes, the guy just goes, no, no, you didn't turn up at nine o'clock, so we sent everyone home. Ah, ah. So, so we ended up going for a curry in Woodbridge. We got back home about like you know half ten, uh, and we never got any money. For the gig, I think it's over fifty percent of the battle of uh, being a comedian is actually getting there. You know, once you get there, it's all gravy. Well, when I started, uh, which yeah, I suppose a decade and a half ago, it was just before really good satnams came out, and people used to do it. Uh, you'd go online, and oh god, get the route and oh, see, AA AA route planner, <laughs> and then who sat. Who rode shotgun was really important in terms of who was in the uh, the front passenger seat, because yeah, normally yeah, yeah. there is an unwritten rule in cars that the whoever's the highest ranking comic in terms yeah. of on the bill gets to sit in the <laughs> passenger seat if they're not the driver. Yeah. Uh, the headliner could be on with three other six foot seven comics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in exactly. the car. He's going to be the one in the passenger seat. Everyone else is all squashed up. But then it's important when in them days, the information would go, would start from the last motorway junction that you had to leave. And then you had to, whoever was riding shotgun would have this bit of paper going, A376, uh, we've got to drive there <laughs> five miles. They've got to do a left down temporary road and all of this sort of thing. It's yeah, and it was much, and I can't believe how people still successfully got there most of the time. Well, don't forget, I mean, I've, I've been been going a lot longer. My day, in my day, mm. it was the A to Z. It was an A to Z. In the days before I drove, then I did one gig in Dover, and all I did yeah. was I I did look at a map, and I thought, well, the gig is just up the hill, uh, and it's <laughs> only seems to be three and a half miles, four miles. I can walk that, left the station, walked up the hill without realising that the route I was following didn't say it went through an army military base. And oh I came God. up to the gates and God. it said, no, you know, there's no civilians, <laughs> no admission, anyone who walks through here, big trouble. <laughs> and I realised I'd have to walk two and a half miles back to get oh. on the right path, uh, the right road. And I had no choice. If I was going to make this gig, I had to go yeah. through the army military base. Yeah. Oh, so shit. I did. I just started walking really confidently through this yeah. army military base, looking straight ahead. And yeah. it's just when I heard the dogs barking. Oh, fuck. That I could see that the fence was actually coming up to, so there was a gate at the other end of it. Yeah. Um, and I was just 
what went through my head was what would happen if they caught me? If the dogs well, caught me... Well, they'd probably have torn, torn you to pieces, wouldn't they? That's yeah. what they're trained to do. Yeah. And once they finished doing that and they what was left of me, they said, well, what the hell are you doing here? Oh, well, I'm a comedian. <laughs> And even with my <laughs> legs all chewed up, they'd still say, yeah. oh, give us a joke then, will you? Give us a yeah, joke. Give us a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us a joke. You're not very funny, are you? No, I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bleeding out, you bastards. But I beat the dogs, yeah. jumped over the fence, and got to the other side, wow. got out of the camp. But that was ridiculous. What was the gig worth it, though? Uh, if I remember well, it was in a hotel. It was... <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Comedians, we like to talk about roads. It's like, oh, how, how do you get the gig? Well, to the uh, yeah, A42 instead of taking the uh, I could have gone the other way. Sometimes I go down the <laughs> A52 and cut across. So I can avoid Birmingham. <laughs> um, we can't talk to anybody else but lorry drivers about <laughs> about yeah. our knowledge. I mean, you've also got uh, a train timetable brain, yeah. haven't you? Well, yeah, because uh, me and Robin Ince often meet each other crisscrossing the country and uh, swap horror stories of being stranded in Wigan, Wigan Northwest. For mm. my money, the worst train station in the UK. What a hellhole that place is. But isn't that the place <laughs> where Paul Simon wrote um, The Sound of Silence? Uh, I, th- I don't know. No, Witness. He wrote it on Witness. Oh, God, come on, that's so close. <laughs> so that's the end of this particular podcast and once again as i always say i don't know if we're getting too repetitious at the start and the end should we change it up a bit yeah if you like it like it press the like button i think on the podcast put a ring on it share on it. i was gonna i was tempted i moved away from <laughs> that. don't ask me why I went, I went there i went there you like yeah it? i just teased the finger that's what i did <laughs> 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 so share share and uh, and like uh we had a problem with the last podcast but it's going to be sorted this afternoon so you'll get this podcast uh from your podcast provider where else would you yeah, get it you from can. can't get it yeah. from the shop can you it's not like you can get no. it from sainsbury's i'm just burbling now and if you're watching this on youtube um once again you can like it uh what's the other things subscribe subscribe yeah and also uh, ring the bell for notifications when the next one's coming up. Uh, we'd like to get at least 200 people watching this. I was going to say 1,000, but, you know, dream yeah. big. Yeah, I'm doing 250 then. So, yeah, that's what we want <laughs> before the end of the century. We'd like that to happen. <laughs> we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. No, I'm going to say bye last. Bye. No, you can do it last now. Change them all. Bye. That's better. They said you should have been here last week. I swear. You should have been here last week. Oh, yeah. You should have been here last week. This show is part of Podomity, the podcast comedy network. We're the best kept secret on ACAST. Why not laugh at what else we've got? Check out podomity.com now.